and welcome to the Sparkle Pod, Move It Mama's very own podcast. A community connected through exercise, but so much more. The Sparkle Pod aims to sprinkle a little bit of everything, from sparkle and sunshine to our daily grind and rigmaroles. We hope you enjoy. Hello, always a thrill to bring you our chats as I know how many of you love them and find joy in listening to us when we are together. Bonus today because we have Shah here again and we also have our friend Deb Buckley with us. We've done one podcast with Deb back in March and so many of you wanted more. Since then, we launched the club where Deb featured regularly, but for those of you who are new around here, let me introduce you. Deb is the CEO of the New Zealand Institute of Leadership and management. I think I said that maybe right, maybe. I think so. Deb is the CEO of the New, of the Institute of New Zealand Leadership and Management. She is a mother of two, Sophia and Finn, and a wife to Mick. She lives in Christchurch on a lifestyle block and froths on teaching people how the brain works, young and old, how to be disciplined, and how to rock at whatever you're doing. It gives me, it gives us great pleasure to bring this conversation to you. Hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, friends. Um, do you live on a farm or a lifestyle block? Oh, a lifestyle block. Even help me. I do have two sheep, but they're not ever going to be dinner. Mm. They're friends. They're like pets. They have names. Their names are Cookie and Muffin. And mm-hmm. um, I hope they're pregnant. Mm. And that'll be the um because they have Ricardo the Ram come and visit. And um I hope that Did he ram him? I'm assuming he did his job. Is so, that why they're um, called rams, I wonder? No. Weird. Oh, gross. I wonder. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, um, my introduction of you, mother of two, some would say mother of, what, 15 or 16 because you had such a huge fertility mm. journey, having miscarriages and twin, giving birth to babies mm. and stuff. So do you say that you're a mother of two? What do you say? No, I'm definitely a mother of two. Um but I have the body of a woman who's been pregnant 15 times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you've also now got the legs of possibly a 99-year-old woman because you got rammed in the leg by your husband, Mick, when you were working on your lifestyle farm doing something. Correct. Yeah. We had a, um, we're having a big shed built, a barn thing, and we, um, we're having the fence to come and, and the header beams, so they're 4.8 metres long, these big pieces of timber. Um, were in the way and I came up with the genius idea that we could move them and there's probably like 20 odd of them and we'd moved 17 of them quite well and probably stupid like fatigue probably set in but um, he fell backwards and logic logic for him is that he kind of pushed (laughs) the timber away from himself so he didn't get injured but unfortunately I have a crush injury on the bottom of my leg which is nearly two weeks old and finally 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 starting to um allow me to be awake and stuff which is great and look it is a short-term injury but yeah it was pretty untidy he so, clearly didn't use his limbic brain no he the first words out of my mouth weren't overly cognitive either though I might add they were fairly limbic because it was colorful um hey. yes, hi Jess hi Shah sorry I haven't really chatted you yet can I just say that um, what have we learned in the last two weeks since this injury? Because it's fresh in my brain that the last time we really chatted, I had a message from you saying, Fuck, look what happened to my leg. And I said, oh, no, hopefully it's not too long rest. And you said, I'm not resting. I'll do upper body. And so that, yeah. yeah so what have you learned? What, you seem to be a teacher of many things, but I think you've yeah. been things the last few weeks. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, don't do not do what I do. So I thought that, no, I did go and get it checked because I thought it was broken, but it's not broken, which is great. But, um, yeah, I honestly thought just doing my upper body because obviously so the routine part's really important to me and um and I and I am so in love with loaded it's like this new fear thing I've got going on and I just was like getting so strong and I was moving to an, a higher weight and I was like right into myself so I tried for the first kind of three or four days to do something and then my leg just got so bad and um, I had to go back to the blessed doctor and then I had to confess that I hadn't actually really been taking care of myself so this week I have been but I will say there is a real balance isn't there between physical care and mental care I was just thinking that because you were uh, you could argue that you're trying to take care of your mental mind by doing a little bit yeah Mm. yeah and I, I can I, yeah, I, I often, like, I do wonder what it's like, like, for Olympic athletes or for All Blacks or stuff, when they stop that whole, like, journey of physical exercise that mm. gives them such a high, like, what do they replace it with? Because mm. I've noticed my day is not as full of joy, and you could say, well, of course, it's bloody not, you're limping, but, um, but it's not as full of joy. I don't feel as joyful as I normally would yeah, and when it exercise. Concern with, like, the routine or the routine being so ingrained not wanting to lose that was that because you fear having to get back into routine or because you know that it will bring you less joy yeah I think it's both Shah. I think it's both I think I absolutely uh operate more impactfully and have more joy in my life with routine yeah but there is part of me that's so competitive that thinks oh two weeks I don't want to go backwards I want to you know do the next thing and throw a 10 kilo kettlebell and you know so it's part of it isn't it part of it is the competitive part of my brain and that's just my limbic brain on fire um and then the cognitive part of my brain tells me to settle down it's two weeks find other ways you're going to be fine you know you're better to get well and then be back into it then you're still dealing with this in six weeks time because you didn't have care so you know that's the cognitive part of my brain but I think that um that the routine part is actually, and I, you wonder, you know, sometimes you think, should I get out of bed? But, but I think the routine part pays you such a reward. Yeah, It's 2% yeah. of my day. Like, that's what I always tell myself. It's 2% of my day, of my whole day. Like, it's 2%, 3% of my day. And you know how? It's massive. You know how we talk about discipline? Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been, like, since I became a mother, I, I've, I really adopted routines with my babies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, and that's, that's routine is very aligned with discipline, eh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just wondering, like, I've, I was such a routine mother. I mean, and a lot of people aren't. And does that mean if you're not really a routine person, is it way harder to be disciplined? Because I'm so disciplined in my, no, you um, might just need some routines. Tools. You might just need tools. Mm-hmm. Can so, we talk about tools? Yeah, so I know there are some apps, and I'll, I'll, you know, we'll try and flick it through a few up, but there are some apps that you can put on your phone that actually are activity organisers. So if you put in all the things you've got to do in the day and it tries to help you schedule them, and yeah. that's like a tool for scheduling exercise, isn't it? Like I set my alarm to wake up, but I never need it. I'm always awake by then, but it's just a habitual tool. It's a tool that I use to make sure that I'm, you know, there to go. 
And I think that, so it's twofold. Discipline is the limbic part of the brain, um, working with the cognitive part of the brain. The, the tools that we could use, so whether it's an app or writing a list or a to-do list or whatever, that's just solely the cognitive part of the brain. So routine and discipline are the same, um, or sorry, have similarities, but they don't both use both parts of the brain, mm. which is tricky, I guess. Mm. And if you aren't naturally good at um, at building routines, there will be some stuff you're really good at building routines on. So again, like if you're really good at doing supermarket shopping or something like that, that's just, you know, you run a great pantry. Um, stop for a minute and reflect what are the tools or what are the things you use that allow you to be really good at that. You know, do you write a list? Do you keep it in Atlas running in your pantry? Every time you use something, do you put it back in there? Do you keep a list on the phone? Like, how do you do it? And look for those little triggers or things that um, you could then, I guess, cross-pollinate into the same thing of the rest of your life. So exercise would be a great example of that. Writing a list, what's a goal list? You know, how many times a week would I exercise? What would I do? What would bring me joy? Um, but do it in a list as opposed to just, I guess, wishing I did it. Wishing I did it. I it's, so, it's so crazy how we're so different. Eh? Like, I feel like if I didn't exercise, I wouldn't have oil in my, say I'm a, a machine. Yeah. I wouldn't have oil and I'd rust. I feel like, I feel like the oil keeps me ticking over the best I can. And it's it's really interesting that obviously so many people aren't like that. Yeah, and they haven't experienced it. So remember, before I've talked about things where the um, brain doesn't know the difference between an actual thing happening and us kind of visualising it. Um, and I mean constantly, I don't mean once, and I don't mean a dream, I mean actual vis visualisation. And the brain doesn't know the difference between that. And so if you um, have the actual high of exercise, and then if you don't exercise so you don't get it, your only way of understanding it is either to visualise it, so to really visualise what it would look like. And you might have had it once when you went for a run when you were 15 or a couple of times because you you know used to move at mum you know, three years ago. Whatever it is, you hang on to those things and you start to build muscle memory. And once your body, so like me with my injury, my body is absolutely a ball of energy and it's expecting to move and it's expecting that feeling of high and mm. adrenaline and relief. And so without it, it, it doesn't function. You're exactly right. It doesn't function as well. But that's because it's got precedent. It's got something to remember. It's got something to go back to. And okay. without it, it's like, where do you start? And the only thing you can start with is routine and discipline mm. because your brain doesn't have the muscle memory. But once mm. it's got, and the one thing I would say is they used to, they used to in the 80s and 90s joke about 21 days, but it is really quick. It's like less than a month. And typically I'd say a month to six weeks, depending on your brain. But it is really quick for your body to build up muscle memory to actually start to crave that, as you call it, oil in your tank. It is really quick. Have you always exercised? No. No. So what what where was the turning point there? Like how long ago and why? So um, probably like, you know, I know Jess has talked about before, but probably related to weight loss in my teens. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of long distance running with my dad, kind of back 8, 19, 11, 12. And then was all the whole reason for exercise for probably a decade was all relation to weight. Um, and then I 
went through my pregnancy journey and there was always someone else giving me advice on don't run and don't exercise and don't do this and don't do that. And you're making the babies fall out because you're jumping up and down. And then um, I'm showing my age, but jazzercise was a thing, um, aerobics. <laughs> and I was like right in there just for the get up, man. I tell you, I love the costume. League warmers, lycra, you name it, I was there. And so I did a patch of that. And then I had a friend who was a runner. So I used to do a wee bit of running with her. And when I was pregnant with Finn, um, I'd kind of started doing a little bit of running again with one of the girls. I worked just a little bit, nothing major. Was this, sorry, but was this running to keep your dress size or was it to feel good? Do you remember? It was probably a bit of both. It was yeah. probably more dress size related though, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was 40-odd by then. I was 40-odd yeah. by then. And um, and I ran right into, I ran a half marathon at 20-odd weeks with Finn, and he didn't fall out. He's good as gold. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought then, oh, I've got to get this exercise malarkey sorted. But then I was like, I'm too busy. I've got two kids. I work full time. And I hate that word excuses, but, man, I had 50 of them lined up ready to go. And, um, and I kept thinking, I'd go for the odd walk. Think I'm going to do something online, and I didn't. And then I saw you on Seven Sharp, and the rest is history. And yeah, wonder yeah. how many members we've got who didn't really regularly exercise until Movement Mama. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I remember Lisa. I um did a screenshot of how to unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, and I laugh at that now. I thought, God, what a. I mean, mm. that is just stupid for someone who knows. What do you mean? How do I get it? I, you know how you can unsubscribe or leave the group. I was like, right, I'm oh, going to yeah. sign up, but I'll, I'll screenshot how I get out of it if I don't do this. Oh but yeah. If I think about that from my logic of knowing how a brain works, like that is setting yourself up for failure in the first place because it's yeah. telling your brain there's a way out of this, as opposed to the fact you're going to be successful, which is don't do that either. Um, which is so wrong of me to do that, but I did because I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll do this. But actually, you you continually said, um, you do you, you do you, you do you, you do you. And I kept thinking, stop trying to beat her, compete with her, do that, just you do you. And um, I, I would, and so that was the February, 6th of February, um, four and a bit years ago. And I would say by the Easter, um, we went away and I my first concern was will I have access to Wi-Fi and if not can I get on there and move it mama yeah mm. so that's and, a few months right yeah and around that time was that when you kind of you got so disciplined in doing the workouts that if you were to miss a few a few workouts or something you were like oh I'm actually noticing the way I'm feeling here yeah and I think I really shifted I thought that actually um so hand to mouth controls the dress size. What? The hand to mouth controls the dress oh, right. size. Right. Right. So eating, exactly. And so that is not the same as exercise. And I thought I'm just going to separate them out. And if I can't control the hand to mouth, then I can control the exercise because they're not the same thing. And they don't need to be related, right? And then mm. I thought this is ridiculous. If I want to lose weight by exercise, I'll have to work out for like six hours a day and that is just stupid I don't I mean at the time you know Finney wasn't at school he was a little dude and I was like this is ridiculous so I made that real mental and and remember I'm quite interested in the brain so I made that 
absolute conscious decision to separate them out. So using my cognitive brain, that actually this is about longevity of life. This is about being able to move. Um, this is about feeling good. This is about releasing endorphins. And the food piece is a second conversation with myself. And I have not looked back on that conversation for over four years. Mm. I think a lot of people are stuck in making the two, um, you know, a, a full relationship between the two and doing things like exercising to cancel out. Have wine. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yay, now I deserve my pizza and wine. I'm like, you deserve that anyway, chick, you know? And I mean, I do they're not related. Yeah, I do think obviously exercise has a power to to change the composition of your, you know, the composition of your body a little bit, but a, a large part of it is food. Um, I've been talking to a few people lately who have who have who are a bit like how I was, and it's it's making me question like how I ever snapped out of that and someone said and asked like do you think you are fully like out of that way of thinking like basically you know consumed by the fear you know, the fear of eating for getting fat for you know want of um or do you think it does it creep up when you're feeling flat and I just sort of I said to Charlotte morning, I was like it I just it doesn't come into play for me at all ever I don't think, oh, I can't eat that, I'll get fat. I don't know what helped, I don't know how I got there. And you've obviously had a big shift in your relationship to food and exercise too. Do you think there are things that you would tell someone, what is it? What helps you get there? Is it because it, because I do think um, maybe people will think, well, that's easy for you to say, yes, because you're fit and a society's view of, you know normal body you know so that's easy for you to say and I do think an element of it is like you've got to be kind of happy with your body to get do you have to be happy with how your body looks to have a good relationship to food you know Lise what do you think I I think you're right though but it is a it's a long conversation right I'm not a hundred, you, you know, I sometimes do think, oh God, I ate that massive donut. Like I don't feel as good as I did bef- mm. now before I ate it. How annoying. So I have to battle in my head and I'm just being really honest here. And the fact that I love to have like a lemon curd donut or an almond croissant, right? But I wouldn't do it every day because I would feel like shit. And I know I probably wouldn't get fat, would I? I don't even know, but I wouldn't do it because it would make me feel like shit. But I am mindful with what I eat because if I'm not, I'm a bit of a, I've told you I'm a kuni kuni and I would just eat nachos and lemon zest donuts all the time, but then I'd probably feel shit. So I probably wouldn't. So it is a bit confusing, isn't it? This is what you're trying to achieve. And so, um, yeah, in your brain, what um, what really matters and is measured is control, right? That's, yes. that's how your brain works. So yes. If and I've worn everything from I'm a, in a size eight jeans, but I've also been in a size eighteen jeans. So let's mm. get real here. I've done a big spectrum of that. It's really and, important to to voice that to our listeners as well, because you know people don't know you completely, but so. Yeah. That's a really, so you have been size 18. Yeah, and probably a 16, but when things were feeling a bit firm, I'd just buy them loose because I thought they looked better. Mm-hmm. But 
but absolutely I've weighed 30 kilos more than I'm more than that 35 mm. kilos more than I do mm. now and one thing that um I say is if if weight is a real issue for you man we feel you like honestly I genuinely feel you and I think that society sucks in the way that we are consumed treated berated by her by our size like I get all of that I genuinely get that but the only way to lose weight is not by a magic pill is by a calorie deficit and that is it there's no other system to it it is calorie deficit so for me going okay how do I get into a deficit isn't about how do I starve myself or mm. how do I not eat or how do I skip meals or how do I do meal replacement it wasn't about any of that it's about if I only have a limited number of calories today, how do I get the most food into those calories? I mean, such a bad way of looking at it, but that's exactly what I thought. Like, how do I get the most in there? And if a Big Mac is 700 calories and three salads and two boiled eggs, are seven, oh, I'm going to take the vast quantity of food. And so for me, I, I just shifted it and thought, actually, um, you know, if I wrote a list of things I have to eat in a day, it would be really good for me to eat in a day. And I haven't touched them in the day, like what's on the list that I haven't eaten. And so I just said, actually, that's different. But what I would also say to that is that apart from my brain, I um, find it significantly easier now to exercise than I did when I was bigger. And so um, if I am to start to gain weight, I will notice I'm slower to get up off a of burpee or um, you know, I can't do as many in a minute. And that that kind of matters to me now because I've had that high and that feeling of success, success and, and achievement. Yeah. And achievement. Um, and I love that feeling. And I love that feeling more than I love having a donut every day. Yeah, same. And that's the thing. Like I love yeah. I love food and yeah. I love all food, but I know that I love feeling my best better than binging on lots of shit food that makes me feel like crap at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is how fascinating it is when you unpick all this that you know how you were saying you write a list of all the great nutritious food that you could have and if you haven't had something if you you look at that kind of thing and think oh I haven't had my eggs today I'll have that yeah. isn't that so funny that it all comes back to routine like yeah, I'm the exactly same what it is. Exactly like I was hungry same. before we got on to here but I haven't I haven't had my lunch I've got mint, leftover mints waiting for me right yeah. but I knew I hadn't had my handful of almonds today and I had some hummus and crackers so I just quickly you know I've always got that in my ingrained in my routine and discipline and that I know what I can go to to make me feel great and find things that really you love that have the nutritional value is the other thing for your routine so I absolutely love Brussels sprouts I know they get a really bad rap but I love a smashed Brussels sprout with lemon olive oil and parmesan on like I love it and so I wouldn't just have a bowl of lettuce because that just wouldn't bring me any joy but if I can add some parmesan cheese and some cranberries and some almonds and a whole lot of other good stuff to it and some hummus then it tastes so good what do you mean by smash oh par boil them or steam them and then just give them a whack with the smasher and then drizzle olive oil rocks and quickly bang them in the air fryer or the oven for five minutes how good is parmesan eh? parmesan Parmesan i have it every week on my list every week always got it always got all different cheeses i've got tasty mozzarella parmesan and feta in my fridge yeah same but but if you went for the i'm on a diet and i'm 
you know, Jess is, I guess, the best one to answer that. But, you know, half of that's off the list because it's too high in fat. I've got cottage cheese too. I've got cottage yeah. cheese too. But it's, Jess? it's rubbish. Good food is good food at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Someone, is, sorry, someone, oh. yeah. I've just been informed by a couple of people that I should not eat cheese because of my PMS. And I'm like, sorry, I need cheese. I mean, it's about, yeah, oh, I just, I, I mean that's you're you're right. So back so of all those of all those cheeses you just listed, Lise, that are in your fridge, mm. and mozzarella, tasty, eat them, feta, and then lastly you mentioned that you have cottage cheese. Cottage cheese ten years ago was the only cheese I touched because yeah, same low in fat. I mean, you could say it's not even like cheese, really. Like it's, it's not, not even I, cheese. I actually, I actually genuinely like it. Yeah, but Mum's nodding in agreement. I genuinely like it, but it's totally different to a tasty cheese grated on something and melted. Um, but you this, take a corn thin and just stick cottage cheese on it. It's bleh. It's fine. It's lunch. It's I've got a, it's food. But if you take a corn thin and put cottage cheese and some hummus and some yep. pickles and some parmesan cheese, you've got next level deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm. For the tiniest difference in nutritional value, mm. but you are going to be sustained for far longer. And mm-hmm. your, your brain, the limbic part of your brain, has had so much joy out of that, right? As opposed to, I'm only allowed cottage cheese, which is another thing that really shifts your thinking around food. If you only talk about what you're um, allowed mm. and good and bad, mm. then you you are already setting your brain up to fail because it's always going to want what you can't have under your new parameters. Yeah, I'll never forget mum. I, I felt like mum used to see me mixing Greek yogurt with cottage cheese and then blueberries. So it was like... Oh, yuck. What the fuck? And blueberries. so gross. But do you know what? <laughs> what? For me is that it's, it's marketing, magazines, the media... And- and all of that that is to blame the diet industry the fitness industry telling us through all these fads what we should and shouldn't be doing stupid magazines that back in the day said if you want to eat your mcdonald's fries you need to go and run on the treadmill for two hours it's years and years and years of it and so i've said to someone in in the chats that i've been having the last few days like it is it is that it is rewinding and rerouting like 30 40 50 years of what we've been told and listened to and immersed ourselves into because we've been trained to think that we have to exercise just because of the way we look and that we should look a certain way in the first place. Yeah, and science will tell you that if you exercise and release a whole lot of endorphins and have this natural high that comes from exercise, that your body will actually crave more nutritious food anyway. It mm. doesn't crave the big high from sugars the same as mm. it would if you didn't have that. So they go hand in hand. It's just about for you right now, if you're sitting there and you don't exercise and you maybe don't have great self-care around your food, okay, what is the one routine you're going to build in? Just ask yourself, just build in one routine, whether it's to write a food list, or whether it's to sit down before you eat a bag of chips and say, am I eating from my limbic or my cognitive brain right now? Because I can tell you, you, I'm eating from my cognitive brain. If we're all together and we're having a great time and it's a girls' weekend and we're eating chips, that's completely planned. I'm all good with it. But if I'm sneaking them in at the petrol station while I put gas in the car, that is just limbic eating. That's just rubbish. I don't need that. 
Yeah. Just for those of you that don't know what limbic and cognitive parts of your brain is, there's parts of our brain. Cognitive is more like, um, um, can you describe? <laughs> <laughs> it's order and logic. Logic. Yeah, it's order and logic. So um, it's like cooking following a recipe versus just opening the fridge and throwing something together and seeing what rocks up. So your limbic brain is much more emotional, much harder to control, um, much more expressive, has greater highs and lows. And your cognitive brain likes order, likes routine, seeks function, likes clarification of points. It's actually there to hold you to account for self. And but each, lots of us operate out of our limbic brain mostly. Yeah, but is each brain, each human operates like more of a percentage of one or the other, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. I'm more 80% limbic, yeah. 20% cogn- cog- cognitive. 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 Cog- yep, perfect. And you're the opposite, are you? Yep, yep, I'm um, absolutely. So I want to be able to balance something now and create logic. But that didn't stop me from gaining weight, remember? So it's not like... If you're mm. limbic, you're going to gain weight. And if you're cognitive, you won't. Mm. Like it doesn't work like that. I wish it did, but it doesn't. It's just the, the things, the tools I use to rationalize the control of my um, about, eating needed to be more cognitive. What about Mick? Wisha. Oh, Wisha. Hasha. What about Mick? Yeah, he's he's a mix, but he's definitely more limbic than I am. Mm. Yeah. What about how so, it's just so hard being a human? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the shit we've got to deal with, you know? But there's still so much joy in life, right? Like, there is still so much joy. Why is Jess laughing at me, Deb Buckley? Why is she laughing? This is the shit we're going to deal with. This is the shit we're going to deal with. Our brains? Like, it's so shit. Well, can't we just all be just one easy brain? (laughs) God, we'd be bored, wouldn't we? Like, imagine if we were all the same. We'd be so bored. Hey, I put on my Instagram yesterday, like, about how I've got issues and I'm trying to sort them. But I've fucking always got issues, you know? And it's so funny. I When I put that out there, I'm like, God, everyone, I wonder if I'm weird compared to other people. So many people have replied going, oh, we've all got issues. And then someone, so many people have replied going, are you okay? <laughs> I am so okay. I just know that I've got work to do. Yeah, but so someone with a limbic brain would talk about that externally. Someone with a cognitive brain would never talk about that externally, right? Yeah. So, Shay, you wouldn't voice that, right? Uh, not to social media. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> to those close to you, but not to social media, right? I love so, actually, brain. I'm rephrasing. It's really hard being me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love how you asked Shah that question because it was a real short answer asking you, whereas I'm somewhere in the middle. I know. Yeah, you are. Yeah. As you get older, you're leaning closer towards your older sister. No, I did tell my older sister yesterday, like, you do feel a need to share a lot, and there's a lot you don't need to share. Hey, it comes naturally yeah. to you. Like, I've up- been trying to unpick that too. Like, I think it's because. I've always, this is going to sound, oh, mum's going to listen to. I've always seeked approval and thought, th- what? Thought approval. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think like I always wanted to please my dad a lot. And so I think I, you, you guys are not saying anything. That's got nothing to do with why I share, though. Eh? I think I just want the. It's almost like I share because then people go, "Oh, yeah, love that you're sharing. That's fine. I'm the same." And then I feel like I can, I can move on. 
you share, in my opinion, Lisa Fong for reassurance. Yeah, often need that. It's insecurities. It's all within. Well, I mean, yes, yes, to an extent, but also I, I think that's like a human need for some people. Yeah, yeah. But I also that- for you, Lisa, is the normalization of it. Yeah, so you're not your logic brain, so your cognitive brain is asking you to normalize these feelings. So it's going go out there and find out if those other birds and people and everyone in the world are the same as me. Normalize this. Would you normalize it? Oh my God, yes. But I also, that's definitely, oh yes, that's definite. But there's also a, a, a element in me that I want people to feel less alone because I know so many people are like me as well. So there's right. a it's double two-edged your brain. Yeah. yeah, so a limbic part of your brain is going, if I share this, Everyone else who's like me will go, oh, my gosh, I'm like her. I feel better about myself now. Again, that's normalisation. So you're externally normalising it for others to say this is how you feel. Whereas with a cognitive brain, you wouldn't share it for fear of judgment. Or failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. Yes, I know. I get. I understand that. Sometimes I do put it out there and go, oh, no, nah. People are going to think I'm a bit of a failure. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not as like together as people might perceive me. Yeah. But I yeah. also think that like um, um, the sharing side of it, Shah, as far as you said, reassurance is um also like it helps me, as you said, Deb. Like um, it helps you put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Also, I think you get reassured that you're not alone reassured that you're not going completely crazy um because inclusivity is important to you too you like yeah. people to feel like they're also not alone so that yeah there's sure. a there's like an empathy piece say eh, that she's mm. empathetic to other people and therefore wants wants to share it because yeah. of the benefits of others as well and or yes because then i get so much saying thank you so much for doing that that post you put in fiji was so good like i've had about 50 hundred messages of that so that's yeah. what fuels me to keep sharing those shit that shit yeah. but then it comes back to bite me in the ass and anyway um I don't know why we got onto that chat. Yeah, but so that's it, Lise, because if we were all the same and we were all just cognitive brains, then that's just robots and that's not humans and that's not what Mm. we need. And we do need to be in a world where inclusivity is around um, mental health. I'm not saying you've got issues with mental health, but I'm saying is around mental health and is around the size doesn't matter and how your brain ticks doesn't matter. But we've created this whole perception which we've bought into and I don't know why I'm early 50s and I certainly bought into it I mean how many magazines did I buy as a 13 year old to try and set up this perfect life where um I was going to marry the perfect person and have the perfect kids and have the perfect perfect size and we've created all this crap which isn't true it doesn't matter your your the size the parcel you're in if it doesn't matter to you it doesn't matter to me so you do you, and the whether you're expressive or introverted doesn't matter to me as long as it's your authentic self. And for me, it's the the two things where I think the world is stuffed uh, around authenticity and um, being inclusive. If we could fix those two things, if you were just living your authentic self, which you absolutely are when you share those things, and we were being inclusive, then I think the world would be a thousand times better. It wouldn't the whole size bloody thing would just bugger off because it, it just doesn't matter the same. But unfortunately, authenticity isn't a measure. Isn't mm, a measure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, which is crap. So keep keep doing it. As you would say, you do you. 
I was talking to someone about this this morning because I don't know if you've heard of a woman called Riley Hempson, but she's a, an influencer and her Instagram was Healthy Chick 101. And I just remember following her when she had about kind of 100,000 followers. She's now nearly got like half a million, but she is Kiwi, lives in the Gold Coast and she she's overweight and her, I think her account started in a bid to kind of show a weight loss journey, but then she then has gotten into fashion and all sorts of things and got invited to fashion week in Melbourne or Sydney in Melbourne last year and went to fashion week and just felt horror at the lack of diversity on the catwalk and stuff and how like there's no one like me on the catwalk and there's even no one remotely like my friends like they're all just these thin models and so this year she was invited to walk and do major like do a couple of major shows and so proud of oh because she wrote basically like wrote a letter of or a big post about how horrified she was at the lack of diversity and then she got invited to model blah blah blah, and what a great shift but still she saw that there's still so far to go but one thing that's just a standout point for me I don't really know where I'm going with this Mm, I'm wondering well it's becoming so like I feel like it is becoming a bit more normalize speaking of normalizing things to see people of all different shapes and sizes just doing whatever they want as far as not just conforming to society's standards or of what they should be wearing because of their size for example Mm. yeah kind of a dot on a dot on a pimple on a dot like it's such a small little piece that we've entered into in this and you know I am raising a daughter who's of average size there's no doubt about it but I don't ever kind of focus on her weight at 11 and a half or how much she weighs or it's every day is about, you know, what are the episodes of eating and what good routines have you built? And I do force, I don't know if that's the word you want to say, but I definitely encourage my kids to exercise with us three times a week. And I say us because, as you know, Mr. Buckley, the revolution of Movement Mama has taken over his life and he's in. And um, so the kids get to choose what that is, but there's no doubt about it. That that is a thing. And it is because as they embark on a world that is so driven by all these other influences, if they've created great routines, that's their rock to fall back on when the influences start bashing in on them. And Mm -hmm. so I'd I'd love to say it's going to change, Jess, and I hope like how, you know, women like her make great progress, but such a tiny dot on it. You know, we've all got to fight harder and, you know, authenticity and inclusivity are the two things that are going to make that happen. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sure. on, on that chat, Deb, I'm just going to pick your brains here. Yeah. Um, uh, as you know, I have four sons and one of them's nearly 12. And he's a real, he loves food mm-hmm. and he's active. But we had noticed like he sort of seemed a bit like chubby. Like, oh, I don't even like saying this out loud and I'll probably regret talking about this because I, no. you know, he's sporty and active, right? But he's sort of over this this winter, he sort of seemed, and, I, and I, Dan and I were talking last night at the dinner table between each other about like, we don't want to say to him that, but how do you, like yeah. how, he goes to intermediate, They he's got a canteen, he doesn't spend money there, but his mates might give him a leftover pie or, you know, and he would just, obviously he's, we're very similar, me and him, you know, but he's not got that adopted, um, he doesn't care about exercise, how it makes him feel. He doesn't know about that. You know, I talk about it all the time, but he's nearly 12. He's not going to, no. you know, how do you parent that? And what do you do? So, um, 
puberty, absolutely normal. I hope every single child, everybody's child gains weight through puberty. I really is he going through that? Because he absolutely. is changing. Yeah. And you want them to gain weight for puberty. Like that is absolutely in our DNA that we go out to go up. And it is really normal that we wow. gain. And I'm not talking masses of no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a layer of puku. Um, yeah, that's what know. he's got. He's yeah. got this layer and, and it's just appeared and I'm and I was right. suddenly going, Oh, are we not parenting him properly? Are we not giving him the right not food? Perfectly normal. It's puberty. The body's doing it for a reason. It believes the the body's brain, when um the body's brain sends messages to say you're about to hit a famine. It doesn't know the difference between a famine and puberty. So no matter what you're feeding them, it's just going to be stored. It stores, 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 stores. And that's because oh. your brain is being sent the same messages for rapid growth as if there was a famine and you hadn't eaten for a month. So perfectly normal and great that it's happening. Um, I always think go back to the routines. And if he is playing a team sport, um, doing something, you know, riding a bicycle, getting out and about, he's super yeah. he's active. Swimming. And we're talking about nutrition as part of our family meals making lunch boxes themselves is vital because they understand mm. so you know as you know that's one of my absolute philosophies is that the kids take week about on lunch boxes and that is so we talk about what's going into that lunch box in terms of making nutritionally good choices and I, we don't have good bad treat foods we just have food that should be less of in a lunch box same and food groups I, I, I said to Sophia this morning there's no protein in that lunch box go and sort it um it, then you're completely fine and he will grow up and grow out of it and be awesome. But mm. it is perfectly normal because his body is going to literally deposit and hold on to all it can. Um, and it, it may be like that for two winters and then you'll watch him and he'll take off and it'll mm. off like there's no tomorrow. So it's perfectly normal. Oh, he's, it's just so difficult because he's such a pig like me. Like, hey, the twins, can you bag me on this? Like, he loves it, eh? And so you've got to, yeah. So, of course, you're questioning what you're doing and, whether he's like or whatever yeah Dan Dan bought duck eggs and from the Riverside markets on the weekend and yeah. Rico's just been loving duck eggs man because the yolk is so much bigger he shows me he had he's allowed one duck egg with one normal egg because we only had 12 duck eggs and we've got yeah. six in our family right so the other day yesterday he came in with his plate that there's two eggs on his toast and showed me mum check out the duck egg compared to the normal egg like he just loves the yolk of how it's just a little bit bigger but it's just hilarious because he's so passionate about it. And it's so hard because sometimes. So because that's all limbic brain for him. And so you want to grow that. You want to grow that whole passion for cooking and passion for the supermarket and passion for food. And it is about making sure that, you know, what, again, I go back to these things and I'm like, what are the tolerances? If your children are gaining weight and you look in your pantry and 90% of the stuff in there is processed food, that's on you, man. That's not on your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know that that's not the case, and I know that there are, you know, tuck shops and I'm going to use old school dairy on the way to school and those kind of things. But seriously, unless they're working and have or have access to vast sums of money, which again is a tolerance that's on us as parents, um, then we can control what our kids eat for quite a while. We might not be able yeah. to control what a 16-year-old who's got a part-time job eating necessarily yeah. um, or an 18-year-old who's driving. But but ideally by then you've set those really, really long-term ingrained passions for exercise and nutrition into your kids anyway. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's all, it is about creating routine as well, eh? Because he knows that he comes home after school and he can have something to eat, but at 4.30 he can't because he's waiting for dinner, you know, that kind of thing. My kids aren't allowed just to go into the pantry whenever they want to. No, 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 mm. neither are ours. And they know that their lunchbox has to be empty after school before they can yeah, take same. something out of the pantry. And they know that they can take one thing out of a cupboard where there's, you know, rice crackers or whatever. Mm. And um, But they need to eat a piece of fruit or a piece of cheese. They need to make better choices about it. And so... I don't sit out, I'm not home to sit out their afternoon tea, but they know exactly what afternoon tea looks like and there's, it is what it is. And if they went and ate, I mean, I, the kids just wouldn't eat five packets of rice crackers because the consequences wouldn't be pretty in their house. But, you know, it is it is about setting you, again, setting your brain up for this is perfectly normal. It is going to feel a bit overwhelming, but it won't by the time the second and third child come through, you'll be like, ah, seen this before, seen this yeah. before. Yeah. Okay, cool. But, they will, but routines are vital. Not taking any, not taking any afternoon tea yeah. until the lunchbox is empty. At what age do I instill that? Is three? Yeah. No, yeah. he's always had it. There's nothing to eat always. until the lunchbox is empty. Right. No, I was the same with mine. So Sophia would have been two and a half. Yeah. Was in such a mess, though. Everything's kind of intertwined. Like the cucumbers. Right. It's not my problem. And so by the time they're five, they work out not to do that. And that by the time they're six or seven, they work out to wrap the rest of the sandwich back up and wrap yep. because they're going to be eating it dry and it's pretty yeah. gross. By the time Nina's four, she's making her own lunchbox. Why yeah, but... Monday. Um, Nina will like it. No, she, really does, it. she does want to help me at the moment. She's already come in saying, can I help you? So, yeah. Good. Yeah, and so age appropriate. So Sophia and Finn were probably able to peel a carrot by the time they're four. Well, I just don't peel them, I just eat them. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're great. And I can't stand the fact that it's been in the dirt because I've got OCD. So I've got to get it off there. Even when it's washed, I still think that was in the dirt. That is way gross. But but pick out the things that they can do. You know, can they squish the sandwich together and then put it in wrap, like whatever it is? But no, lunchbox empty before you can help yourself to anything else to eat. I've got a random question. You know, when you're like cooking and you're cooking veggies mm-hmm. and you're going to cook them really hot anyway, do you wash them all first or do you just cook them and hope that the heat just kills the germs? Sha? Uh, I probably am not the, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm like Jess, I grab a carrot and I eat it. And yeah, I'm not much of it. I'm a hand wash before cook, but not veggie wash. And what do you think, Deb? No, I wash everything. <laughs> I knew you were. Because the person in the supermarket manhandled the broccoli and no offence to anyone who works in a supermarket, but I don't know if they're hand-washed kind of Yeah, but the heat would kill everything anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I don't want to put it in my fridge like that. I just, oh, no. What, you put it, you wash it before you put it in your fridge? Well, I have these little mesh bags. Jess's eyes are, like, going wide. Well, so I have these little mesh bags that I, my my fruit and veg in, and then I just kind of run the mesh bag under the, tap with the broccoli head in it give it a good shake and then pop it in the fridge no I'm thinking my favorite or my the girl on Instagram Emily Marika who washes and prepares all her vegetables after going to the markets on a Sunday she doesn't have quite a lot of prep in terms of that but again that's because I'm into episodes of eating and I want to know that there's something there to get can you talk about an episode of eating that's quite cool like I love that I sort of I, I adopted that myself, but I didn't call it a title. And then when you talked about yours, I was like, yes, I do that too. And you call it your episode. And can we yeah. speak about that, please? Yep. So for me, episodes of eating are planned. And so that's very cognitive in my brain. And that is because because I'm a foodie, like I love the idea of 
looking at recipes, going to the supermarket, going to the market. Like if I didn't work, I would just live at the supermarket. I could easily get a job there, bring me so much joy to be in there every day. Mm -hmm. And I love new foods, new packet of food, something new on the shelf. Like I am right up there as the, you know, first follower. I'm in there. I've tried it. Whether it's bad, good or bad, I've still been in there. Um, And so because of that, I have kind of worked out that routine for food is really important to me. So I plan all of my food episodes for the day, not like weeks in advance. I'm not that cuckoo, but I plan them for the day. And I'll generally have a few days kind of thought in my head. So um, overnight oats, I like, I also really like things to look really nice. So I make overnight oats in little jars and then top it up with peanut butter and frozen berries. And then by the time I get to the office, I've got this little cool little jar with a really long teaspoon. Like everything's kind of quite um, episode yeah like an event like an actual thing and so with episodes of eating it means I can plan to eat potato chips and not feel guilty about them because it's an actual planned thing and so often on a Friday I will plan when I get home from work to eat half a bag of proper crisps because I love them and it brings me joy and it's the end of the week or I might do it on a Saturday but it's real planned rather than a random I get in at five o'clock and I'm starving and I'm trying to eat dinner and I know that if I'm starving and I'm trying to cook dinner that I have a theory between my office and my dinner the only thing I can eat is a vegetable so that's one of my planned episodes of eating doesn't matter what it is whether it's cooked or raw or whatever but that's all I can eat and so my episodes are pre-planned thought about and it just means that if I've planned my day remember I'm talking about the the volume of food I'm eating a day trying to get as many great things in there as I can that if I want to eat a cookie then it's generally planned I try and plan that for being the time when that's going to bring me most joy and it wouldn't be straight after work when I'm trying to cook dinner when the kids are all at the circus that would not be the time that's going to give me joy but it might be after dinner just sitting down you know the washing's folded and put away and I've got that little episode to bring me joy in it as a big Pam's decadent chocolate chippy you know cookie then that's cool but so planned episodes are you thinking about the um, fuel your body requires and the number of times you prefer to eat in a day and some people will prefer to eat six times and some people three and some people don't know and the people who don't know um, need to spend some time working on that. Hmm. You're quite similar, Elise. I'm. I feel like I I operate very differently to that. You just yeah. eat as you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. But I love um, food. Brings me a lot of joy, and I love to. It's like how I like um, you know having a glass of wine brings me joy but it needs to be I wouldn't just take one standing with heaps of people around like I wouldn't enjoy it I'd want to sit down with a platter with a a good mate you know like I'm going out to dinner tonight with two friends and I'll have a I'll have one glass of wine tonight and I can't and we're having nibbles and it's at a nice posh place and it's going to be so much joy like I wouldn't want to have one before I go I wouldn't want to just have it stand you know I, I like to planet and you know how you guys had banana cake this morning that from that bought shop I would never eat that like because it just doesn't bring me joy I'd rather have I'd rather save that experience and save that moment I'd enjoy it more if it was a real you know home baking or something <laughs> like your cookies the other night Jess were so yum that I definitely had one of those 
We've established that my home baking, the the supermarket bought banana bread is better than my home baking. <laughs> I think that's it, though, Lisa. You're talking about um, experiences or episodes rather than calories. And so mm. I'm not saving the calories to have a bag of chips. I'm saving the experience because yes. I know that if it's an experience and I'm much more mindful, then I'm not going to eat five packets packets of proper crisps in a week no matter how much I love them because actually I don't feel super 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 great after I eat them I feel better after I've eaten my overnight oats so you know that'd be far better for me to have but it it is about sitting if you could spend five ten minutes every day for the next three weeks going actually if I was planning how I would have self-care tomorrow what would it look like you'd be amazed at how much order and routine you could get into your life yeah mm-hmm. you really would like you would be amazed at how little amount of time it takes to plan episodes of eating and to fit in exercise like I said exercise movement was two percent of my day like really two percent for a, probably a 25 percent hit you know mm-hmm. like it is a it's a big high it gives me and eating episodes are exactly the same like planning saying actually today I'm going to have five episodes of eating and one of them can be completely random and it is what it is. Mm. Planning is so great. Eh? Like, right, sorry, Jess, writing things down, planning, yeah. planning. Like every night before I go to bed, I look through my diary and I just like pop in like my work that I'm going to do tomorrow. So then I can take, you know, it like ticking things off and planning. Go, Jess. Oh, I think I just, I said that I'm so not like that. I just eat when I'm hungry, but I think I've been through such a sort of period probably of being like so regimented with it that, that now I just, can operate like mm. you know without that with quite a lack of planning and quite I suppose intuitively without feeling the need to do that but also I do have work to do as well I'm not perfect uh with all of that food intake exercise lately too um what was I going to say out of control with your eating Jess, and you have measures in place to yeah. say actually yeah. this is not enough fuel or this is the wrong fuel or hey that yesterday was a really poor day I, I didn't eat enough yesterday yeah that's yeah. going to be better I think a key point though was one one you made at the very beginning which was what was that I've forgotten <laughs> you made a good point at the beginning and I can't remember what it was but um about episodes of eating or what no was it like the beginning of the podcast don't remember mm. I think the biggest takeaway from that is the mindfulness like it's interesting, even living with an elite athlete, she just needs to keep calories in. So she's really mindfully eating. Mm. It's just about yeah. calories in. Whereas I'm like, I really want to sit down and like least almost a bit of a perfect moment syndrome, like get your mm. coffee on, sit down with that, whatever that those almonds are or whatever. Mm. But actually mindfully enjoy what you're doing, being yeah, really yeah. present. <clears throat> and be reflective of it. So I know that if I have a slice of ovals with peanut butter and banana, like that is just, you know, so good. That is so good. And I love it. But it doesn't give me the same level of fuel for the day as if I have overnight oats and a half boiled egg. So I'm like, well, I love that and I really love it. But actually, I'm really busy today. So I'm going to have overnight oats. But come Saturday, man, and Sunday, I'm going to hook that down. Or come tomorrow, I'm going to have that because. I've got, I can, I can eat earlier. Like if I'm teaching, um, you know, it's lunch time before I can eat, then having 
one piece of toast is just not enough. Like that's just not self-care. That's not enough. I've done a workout. I've had a busy morning and I'm having one piece of toast with peanut butter and bananas. That ain't enough. Like that's just get real up. That's not enough. So what is the best thing I can eat? And I think to start becoming quite reflective after exercise, after you've had after meditation, after you've had a great day of food and say, actually, how do I feel? Like, not how do I bloody look? That's ridiculous. But how do I feel? And if I wanted to feel this way again, what would tomorrow look like? And often it is that whole building up of muscle memory that all of a sudden gives you those highs, gives you that, you know, that actual connection between um, exercise activity and your brain feeling that you've got good self-care. I think that was my point was this that one you made at the start, which was there was no precedent. So for people, yeah. for so many people, they don't, it's not fresh in their brain how it feels to regularly exercise and then how mm. that translates or crossovers to what they then eat. Mm. And, you know, if it's not fresh in your brain, it's really hard to start and it's really hard to remember mm. and be motivated and be disciplined. So getting to that point is super important. And that's where and the... you try it and then your experience of, um, you know, muscle soreness is all you've got. You think, oh, it was too hard. It was too hard for me. Instead of much like puberty, man, that's normal. I loved that. Mm. I, when I first started doing loaded, I was like, what is this? My body can barely move. I, I've got enough knowledge to go, actually, that's really normal. So set up the expectation that if you're not exercising, don't go and exercise five days a week, you crazy person. Just ask for two. You don't even need to mm. do three. Just do two for a couple of weeks and then do three. By the time you're doing four a week, you'll then get this real precedent of, of high and your brain starts to go, actually, this feels good. This is what I need to do. But expectation, again, is that it is going to feel a little bit squeaky. You know, it is going to hurt a little bit if I'm doing nothing and all of a sudden I'm trying to do something. I'm setting my brain up. I'm telling the cognitive part of my brain to say, actually, that's perfectly normal. I love the fact that I'm a little bit stiff today or my muscles are a little bit sore. I was expecting that. That's normal. As opposed to why can't I just smash out 23 burpees in a minute and walk around the next day like nothing? nothing's happened so mm. your, your brain um unfortunately the one thing I think I could change about our brains is they're really good at sabotaging us and stopping us from doing things that um that's good for us because our, our brains naturally default to being quite lazy unfortunately um they quite like that little position of you know taking an easy route so mm. push against it because if you can learn to really push through and push against your brain resilience prime example we talk about putting it into our kids um you're far more likely to have discipline if you've got a bit of resilience you're far more likely to embrace discipline if you've got a bit of resilience mm. and just to i just feel like it's really important to tell people that we're all a work in progress and we're not too old to start this and we're not too old to learn like we you know if you're feeling like you've got habits that you want to break or you need to create some kind of form of discipline in your life like yeah. just know that you can start you it's not too late ever it's never ever too late not at all and and also the time of your life so I'm in my 50s but menopause isn't a justification for I can't do anything because I'm you know in my 50s or I'm in my 30s and I've just had a baby so I can't do anything like that mm. we can all come up with what are effectively excuses or justifications mm -hmm. put a fancy title on it if you like knock yourself out but absolutely not the whole being of movement is the fact that if you can get up every day with purpose with intention and find things that are going to genuinely give you joy um 
then life's pretty good and it's worth living. But if you're mm. sitting there beating yourself up about all the things you haven't done or all the calories you've consumed in a day, then what, that's not self-care. But it doesn't matter how old you are. In terms of building new muscle memory, like I said before, your brain doesn't know the difference between visualization and actualization, and your brain doesn't know whether it's Wednesday or Friday or Monday. You don't need to wait to Monday to start because your brain doesn't know when Monday is. Just pop your gear out, make a plan tonight for some really good nutritious snacks, your favorite things for tomorrow, and have a great day. And then sit down at the end of the day and reflect. And I guarantee you, your limbic brain will start firing with joy at the end of the day. And hopefully it'll make you want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've built muscle memory, and I think that's the biggest piece if people have, you know, listened to us now is just how to build muscle memory is by doing and visualization. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not doing, at least be visualizing really hard out visualizing, taking that moment for meditation and visualizing. I mean, you know, we talk about Olympic athletes, but absolutely that's fundamental to them is this whole visualization piece of strength of winning and strength of body and strength of movement and it is because the old knob the brain um, buys into that it absolutely buys into it you're not going to get the all black sitting there going well we've been losing so I bet you we keep losing mm. you know that, it doesn't work that way you want you want your brain to fire in a positive cognitive way and in a positive limbic way and the way it'll do that is by you taking either action or visualizing action mm. so get moving yeah okay we're probably at our max so um Shah I feel like you were listening intently and but you were off and on with Tommy I feel like we didn't hear your voice much and our listeners might be a bit sad about that could you offer just one minute of um, musing oh dear putting me on the spot list um oh it doesn't need to be about this it could be anything it could be about what you're feeling right now um Oh, I'm really conscious of that fact that I speak really slowly in one minute. I can't spit a lot. <laughs> um, but no, it's just been a pleasure to be here because I'm not often on the podcast and I haven't been on one when Deb Buckley has been featuring. So it was a pleasure to listen and learn off the MVP, the OG. Mm-hmm. Sometimes no. I think I need to add to your chat because I don't know if you're pausing or you don't know what to say. So I try and pipe in, but now I know that I'm taking over the limelight again. So that was about 20 seconds. Do you want any more? Jess, what do you think? No, but for a second when she said MVP in my brain, it went to most improved player. And I was like, oh. uh, but, uh, that's funny. Um, no, but we should... Um, get going I think it was a great place to end and thank you for your time Deb because we know we knew already pre-club days that everyone wanted to hear more from you and then the club happened and then they want to still hear more from you so we really appreciate your time yeah I I love your chat because it's so relatable keep moving peeps like honestly (laughs) for yourself man get out yeah and speaking from someone, speaking from you, that you you're not in the position to really do that. So yeah, no, do it for you. Do it for Deb Buckley. Exactly. Yeah. Get your gear on. All right. I hope you heal better. So I hope you heal soon, and you'll be back on on Friday. I was thinking, possibly just give yourself a few more days, babe, and start start Monday. Start Monday. Nah, my brain doesn't know what day of the week it is. My body does, and <laughs> okay. Friday's the day, and we'll be there. All right. Catch ya. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.